Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kel on Earth Revisited, where you will travel with me, Kelly Karg, back through my life and musings as I celebrate not only my 40th year, but the milestone of 100 chapters of the original blog. I will start from the beginning and move through 14 years of observations as I find my voice and my place in the world and reflect on who that person was. So come with me, celebrate the achievement of longevity and literacy. I never thought Kel on Earth would still be here. Part 1, Chapter 7, Routine Checkup, April 2009. Three days out of Bangkok and still the only word that comes to mind about last week is surreal. I know that we all hear horror stories of people who go in for a routine checkup and though they feel fine, healthy even, they come out of the doctor's office with their world turned completely upside down. I'm thankful that what I have isn't worse. But realizing that I had an eight centimeter cyst on my right ovary didn't exactly give me a warm, fuzzy feeling either. I guess I will start this chapter from the beginning. My first visit of the five-star hospital known as Bumangrad, located at Sukhumvit 1 in downtown Bangkok, was the site of the golden arches through the two-story plate glass windows keeping the aircon inside reception. Of course, McDonald's inside is not the best indicator of a high-quality medical facility, but my first impression didn't stop there. As we drove underneath the skywalk connecting two of the four buildings that make up the hospital, I glimpsed richly carpeted walkways, a multitude of iridescently clad staff members, and high technology in the form of flat-screen monitors on most surfaces. We checked into our hotel, which is approximately 80 yards from the entrance of the emergency room, and prepared to get Jeanette to her doctor for her pre-op conference. Yeah, I was definitely supposed to be the supporting cast member on this trip. Poor Jay. Jeanette was having knee surgery since she had knee trouble for about 15 years. This year, it just wasn't healing, and since we had access to a great hospital and decent insurance, she thought she would go for it. After they figured out when the surgery would take place the next day, the two of us attempted the shopping thing for a while before her knee couldn't take any more of the walking. It was actually a pretty fun afternoon. Thursday had not even dawned yet, and Jeanette and I found ourselves in the lobby of one of the hospital buildings. The only way that I can describe the opulence of the place is to compare it to a ritzy hotel. The carpets were beautiful and tastefully chosen. The ceilings were high and dripping in crystal chandeliers. The surfaces freshly polished and dusted. Who knew that upstairs people in scrubs were helping people heal? Like I said, surreal. As the sun was coming up, Jeanette was having laparoscopic surgery on her knee, and I was going through each of the stations of the health clinic on the 11th floor. It's really quite a wonder to watch. The clinic shuttles hundreds of people through per day on a busy day, and it moves so smoothly. They check the patient in with three steps, three stations, and then it's off to the basic readings and blood tests. On the way to the next station, which involves changing into the pajamas they make the patient wear so as not to get the ultrasound gunk all over the patient's own clothes, 
the patient can stop for an apple or a granola bar and a few liters of water. Then it's the chest x-ray and the full abdominal ultrasound, which you apparently need a full bladder for, which takes about 20 minutes to get a good look at each organ. And only then do you get introduced to a bathroom because it's time for a urine sample. And believe me, at this point, you are perfectly willing to give it. After this, it's time to talk to actual doctors, the gynecologists, the general pathologists, the eye tech, and hearing. And it's here with the experts that I meet my nemesis. It turns out that it has silently been chilling, taking up the space of other important organs that allow me to be a functioning human. It turns out to be mistaken for my uterus in the ultrasound. In a female's lower abdomen, abdomen <laughs> there should be nothing bigger than the uterus. In my case, my right ovary, the hostage, was big enough to eat Bangkok. Oh man, that would be a cool horror movie. The cyst inside my ovary had stretched it to the size of a tennis ball. The gynecologist freaks out and gets me an appointment for a specialist and tells me that I'll probably have to have surgery this weekend. It is now noon on Thursday and my friend was possibly still having surgery on her knee. I'm the one who needs surgery? I was supposed to be the one to be running errands for the in incapacitated friend who couldn't be able to walk for the next two months. <laughs> How are we supposed to function with her unable to walk and me unable to sit up straight? We both need painkillers and antibiotics. We will both need help moving around. How, how did this happen? Anyway. It doesn't do any good to think about how a situation was supposed to go when it obviously is no longer going in that direction. I went into surgery on Saturday morning at 7 a.m. after the specialist agreed with my gynecologist about the seriousness of the situation. He said that it could rupture at any time and since my current home was in Yangon, it's probably a good idea to get it taken care of now. The first thing I noticed once I was awake enough to remember that I had the ability to swallow was that my room was awesome. You're right. It's not a normal reaction for someone just coming out of surgery, but as it turned out, I was in very little pain the entire time I was in the hospital. Actually, the pain that I did feel had more to do with the fact that they had to stick all kinds of tubes in me to keep stuff functioning during surgery. My throat was having a hard time with the fact that they had to intubate me. Either way, my room was friggin' cool. Flat screen, 50-inch TV, microwave, fridge, table and chairs for visitors, comfy, comfy convertible couches for overnight guests, badass bathroom completely prepared for cut-up, drugged-up patients, not to mention the basket of toiletries that might be needed. The best-looking hospital room ever. Who am I kidding? Pretty much the best hotel room ever. I digress. Either way, I was pretty stoked about my surroundings and the fact was that I was feeling pretty functional. My doctor came in at one point while I was in the bathroom, with which I had not called the nurse to help. Um, whoops. And as I walked back to my bed, he was pretty dumbfounded as to how I was moving around so well. After he put pictures up of the surgery on the big screen, badass, I understood his expression. Ultrasounds are great. Um, to get a general impression of organs, like shadows, I was told, but to actually see pictures on the inside of my lower abdomen and the space that ovary was taking up, whew, my jaw was actually on the floor. I had three incisions made on my tummy, one at the belly button, two um, about an inch each side of my hip bones, or inside my hip bones. The top cut was for the camera and the other two were for the hands, a little little guys, which did all the work. The bird's eye view allowed me to see little else besides two white ball looking things that were horribly mismatched in size. My right ovary covered so much that only a glimpse of my uterus and the intestine was invisible. I'm sorry, only a glimpse of the uterus and the intestine was in fact visible in the shot. It had pushed everything else out of the way. 
I doubt most of you want me to continue with the description, but I'll tell you that they found scarring that led to the state of the, the affairs, which my doctor says was stage four endometriosis. He was able to save my ovary and detach it from the surrounding tissue. But now that I have a history of this, I'll need to see him again in six months. And I have a 30% chance of getting this again in the next three years. Everyone here at school is freaking out and wanting to get checked right away, even the men. I told them, you guys don't have ovaries, but they just rolled their eyes. And honestly, I think it's a good idea to get these checkups. I've never had an ultrasound before, and because the cyst wasn't hard, they couldn't feel anything wrong on a pelvic exam. I don't know how much ultrasounds cost in the US, but by allowing the patients to get a good idea of what's going on inside their bodies, so many more people can be helped. I know that most people with endometriosis have symptoms, but I didn't, and I've never been healthier in my life. How else would I have known? Anyway, I don't mean to turn everyone into hypochondriacs, but I've just had a bit of a reality check on the fact that if I didn't escape the job here, I'm sorry, if I didn't accept the job here, I probably would not have caught it yet. Needless to say, as much as I'm annoyed with Bangkok and the city in general, the medical staff and the technology saved my life, pretty literally, and I trust its care more than any other place. Now I'm sitting in my apartment as I'm taking a few days to deal with my healing, so I'd love to hear from anyone, since it looks as though I'll have time to respond to everyone, as long as the internet holds out anyway. Bring on the questions. By the way, if anyone's interested, Jeanette and I created A Tale of Two Surgeries, a play in five acts about our experience as we were waiting for the fog to clear in Yangon. We sat on the runway for two hours waiting for that fog to clear, and Jeanette refused to get off the plane since she had to climb up stairs to get there. Let me know if you want a good laugh. Heart you all. There's a lot of context on this one. <laughs> um, in the blog, I have included an image of me uh, around that time. Um, and I suppose, as I say in, in the reading, I didn't have any symptoms, which is mostly true. I didn't feel poorly. My diet was fine, even though different from what I was used to in the United States. Um, I was eating, I was physically active, though probably not too much. I was, I mean, I was riding my school, my school, I was riding my bike to school every day, or at least a couple days a week. I was playing softball, I was coaching softball. So I was pretty fit and I was feeling pretty good. Um, and I'd also dropped quite a bit of a weight. I lost probably about 20 pounds. Uh, I didn't have a scale, so I didn't really know, but looking at pictures, I, I was significantly smaller than I think I've been since puberty. Like I, I was pretty tiny and I think that was my symptom. Um, well, and I, I, I didn't have a period and there you go. Like, that's funny. I lost weight. Oh, I didn't have symptoms. Well, my ovary was not functioning correctly. So I was not, I wasn't menstruating as, as normal. Um, and that was pro that was since I arrived in Myanmar and potentially a little bit before that may and perhaps I attributed it to the stress of of moving. So when I went to Bumingrad, when I went with Jeanette uh, to to Thailand, I was I was just really excited to take advantage of the healthcare system in Bumingrad. As I said in this post, 
I'd never had an ultrasound and it was magical to me that you could go into this very nice medical facility and be taken care of and it, you didn't have to worry too much about how much things would cost because that was another thing. Um, at the time, I got into a big fight with my insurance at the time because they wouldn't cover it as emergent. Um, but they did. It was a four-hour surgery or I was under for that long. So maybe the surgery was only a couple hours long, whatever. And it didn't cost, maybe it cost like $2,000. I, I can't remember exactly. It's sure, I'm sure it's in my file somewhere. But I had a big fight and I ended up um, having to pay out of pocket. And I was really upset about it because the doctor had said, you need you need to have this done, this is emergent. The doctor was trying to signal to the insurance, but the insurance wasn't responding. And so because we didn't get prior approval, I had to pay for it. And I was real upset. And But looking back on it, I had surgery. They put me under, They, I was in this gorgeous hotel room. Like they took pictures while they were in there um, using, you know, the most, advanced at the time technologies so that they didn't have to literally rip my abdomen open. They had incisions that I, that healed. I don't think, I can't find them to this day. Like they they were such tiny incisions and they made that cyst go away. Um, the fact that that kind of surgery costs so little as an American, my mind was blown. Like, why don't we have more of this in the states why don't we have why isn't this kind of healthcare available for people why is it such a big deal why is it such an emotional and financial and economic destroyer of all things to have an emergency surgery that literally could have killed me because nobody would have known what was wrong that's what gets me Nobody would have known. I it, it it what what it was was a chocolate cyst. So as I explained, there was scar tissue, and so the the little the egg sac, instead of like as as the egg is released into the ovary to drop down into the fallopian tubes, the sac closed on itself, and so the fluids that that um, carry the egg down the pathway of the fallopian tube, it it kind of resealed around that. So months and months of these eggs that were stored up in my ovary weren't allowed to go anywhere. So it uh, on the video, it looked like um, chocolate pudding. And it was it was my body trying to get trying to do what female bodies do or biological female bodies do and produce eggs and it was being prevented so that's why it was gonna get bigger if i didn't go in for that um for that checkup it would have gotten bigger i wouldn't have known and the ovary is not and i'm not i wasn't there i, I don't know exactly what the consistency of an ovary is but it, it's not built to be as strong as a uterus that stretches and holds a baby. So I don't know how much longer that ovary had before it would have ruptured on its own. I could have twisted wrong in yoga and all of that would have leaked into my abdomen 
and I could have gone septic and I would not have known why. And that, that's, that's crazy to me. And it was then and other context to this, so much context, right? Um, a week after I got back, I was supposed to be on bed rest. I guess it was two weeks. I was supposed to be on bed rest. Um, I wasn't supposed to go back to school, but I felt fine. Like as I, as I explained, like my throat was achy, but my abdomen was fine. I wasn't in any pain. So I'm like, no, I'm going to go to school. And then on the last day that I was supposed to be on bed rest, I'm like, oh, I feel good. I'm going to take a bike ride. I'm going to ride my bike to school because I'm feeling, um, antsy. I want to get on my bike. And it was fine until I, and it was the last, it was Friday. It was the last day before Finjin, before the water festival. And so we had uh, our spring break for the next week and we were going to the beach and it was going to be amazing. And I was in a bike accident where a, I tried to get around a, um, a parked car. They had their left front blinker on. So I thought they were going to go back into traffic. So I went around them the other way because they were pulled kind of far from the curb. And the woman in the back opened the door and I rode directly. I rode into a parked car. I got into an accident with a parked car and I split open my hand and I, I still have scars of that on my left hand, but, um, and then again, having to go through a medical situation, uh, we went to the hospital, the generator went down, strike of lightning, suddenly we have water, it's the water festival, and the doctor's standing there with needle and thread and waiting until the lights come back on when the generator kicks in. <laughs> um, a little bit different than my bum and grad experience. Anyway, if I hadn't have had the surgery two weeks before, however many days before, that could have been the thing that ruptured my ovary. Like, like it's it's just, it's crazy, it's crazy. Um, and yeah, no other real symptoms. And since then I've been very lucky. I, it was a one-off. I do not have chronic endometriosis, which I feel incredibly grateful for because I know there are many, many women who suffer with that condition who can't get relief in the way that I had. Again, I wasn't in pain. And I know many women who have chronic pain as a result of their ovaries. And while my doctor's like, oh, we're gonna save your ovary. I'm like, well, whatever. And I know people who'd be like, no, take it out if it means that it won't hurt me anymore. <sighs> yeah. I will include, I don't think I ever uploaded the tale of two surgeries onto my blog, but I need to find it and put it up here as a, as an addendum to part one, because, and I, I might not touch it at all because we were both really high. <laughs> like we were both on painkillers and couldn't leave the plane, both of us in wheelchairs trying to get there. And it was hilarious because the whole weekend was just ridiculous. And I felt awful that I couldn't be there to support Jeanette in the way that she needed me to be there. Cause she couldn't walk. And I'm like running into walls because I'm such an idiot. Like I'm so doped up, but um, yeah. And I don't know if we've noticed this is the second chapter on Bangkok and I've gone back to look. I don't have pictures of Bangkok, you guys. I don't know what it is about that city, but apparently I did not want pictures of it in my possession. So 
Sorry about that. Looks like you'll have to find him somewhere else. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me here at Kel on Earth Revisited. I hope to see you next time where we visit one of my most favorite places on Earth. Uh, I visited Inlay Lake twice in my time, and I have the most beautiful memories of the environment, of the people, of the innovation. Um, I, I just loved it. Have a good day.